Hey everybody, fun episode today with Joanne Michelle Martin from JMM Health Solutions. We're talking about telehealth, how to get the business started, how to get those patients in, right? Um, how to convince ourselves that it's helpful, how to convince uh, patients that it's helpful and stick around at the end because uh, Joanne Michelle drops just an amazing knowledge bomb which just blew my mind out of the water. So um, really excited to bring this to you. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. And I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. Together we interview leading authorities, we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember that the materials and the content on this podcast are intended as general information and they're for entertainment purposes only. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favourite beverage or do your thing and enjoy the show. Apparently, we are live on Facebook. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Uh, I'm Anthony Lowe, one of your hosts. My other host is Marika Hart. Um, welcome back, Marika. How are you feeling? Good morning. I am. <laughs> I feel like every time we do a podcast, I look at my eyes and think, oh, my God, I'm so tired. Well, um, it is the morning I'm, I've had my first. I have had my first sip of coffee today. Um, so, yes, not quite waking up. Yeah, it's not even that early. It's like eight o'clock. I should be more alert, switched on. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Thanks, Joanne. <laughs> and we've got Joanne. Joanne, Joanne, Joanne. Um, isn't that a funny thing? Like lots of people do lots of things with your names. I would love to hear some of the stories, but your name is Joanne, right? Mm -hmm. It's Joanne Michelle. Yes. Put a, U, a hyphen between the U and the A. Cool. And is it Joanne Michelle as in that's what you mm -hmm. prefer to be called? No, that's what it is. <laughs> but oh, sorry, everybody sorry. calls me Jay. Yeah, but it's fine. Okay. But your name is Joanne Michelle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, then you get called Joanne Michelle from now on because somehow I missed that. I remember, I remember you in New York. You just had a J. That is it. I just had the J. And you were like, is that it? <laughs> that's why I, I was, right? <laughs> Like, is that it? <laughs> is that it, Jay? You said you can just call me Jay, but you didn't tell. I don't remember being told that it's Joanne Michelle. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, then Joanne Michelle it is. Yeah, yeah. I made I made that little legal change, you know, because every time I would go into, it was funny. Interviews were quite interesting. You know, you'd go into an interview. And um, lucky for me, I can speak Spanish, but I would get there and I would always get these looks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're expecting that Hispanic guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's not coming today. I'm, I'm Joanne, though. Nice to meet you. And I would just, like, I but just. Where got, is one? Yeah. Where is one? Right? They're like, oh. Or sometimes, you know, even if you correct people, I never forget one day I was on the phone with someone calling, I think I was calling about like my internet or my phone or something and speaking to the lady and she's like, yes, Mr. Martin. I'm like, no, it's actually Mrs. And my name is Joanne. Okay, Juan. And I'm like, <laughs> Joanne. And, and she, and she keeps going and I keep saying it and she's like, okay. And I'm like, lady, are you even listening to me? <laughs> Clearly not. No. 
No, clearly not. Not listening. To Anthony you. has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right, Maria. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh, excellent. Fun time. Um, and oops. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Joanne, um, because you know it'll be lovely for our, for anyone who doesn't know of you yet, and they're going to know about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey. All right. Well, first of all, like you guys, I am from a beautiful British colony. Whoop, whoop. So I get netball. So yeah. you guys are my people. Yeah. <sighs> These Americans just don't understand. Joanne Michelle, Joanne Michelle <laughs> and I were talking about netball and I'm like, oh, I love netball. And, and everybody else. Everybody else is looking at us like, what, what? What, what <laughs> position do you play, Joanne? I was wing defense and goal defense. Oh, nice. Mid, mid so elbows? Uh, well, yeah. I, I also would knee people and, you know, maybe a little slide tackle, throw a leg out, make them fall, you know. Foot, foot between <laughs> the legs. It's a non it, 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 it is, but, you know, you got to be able to body people just right. Just right. Yeah. Try the line. It's, it's not so much that you shoved her, she ran into you. It was, yeah, right? it was a simultaneous contact. Isn't that what it always is? Absolutely. Come on, ref. <laughs> I mean, like, but did you not see her come into me? She just happened to hit my elbow. What are you That's talking it. about? Like it was an yeah. attack on, she tried to headbutt your elbow. Did you not see that ref? <laughs> basically, basically. Yeah, I, I view I view netball as totally a contact sport. But yeah, <laughs> I played, I started playing when I was seven. So I grew up in Barbados. Um, I started playing netball at like seven. It was fun. Um, all through primary and secondary school. But then I moved to the beautiful United States, went to college, went to PT school. Um, I lived in New York. That's where my family is. And then um, moved on to Atlanta about 10 years ago. So I've worked in a variety of settings, um, primarily outpatient ortho and some acute care, hospital-based, and did a number of things, ortho, peds, and some pelvic health. And more recently, in the last two years, I started my own practice, um, which is adult and pediatric pelvic health. So that's been fun. Awesome. Um you know, being from being from another country and then acclimat acclimatizing, when did you move to the US? When I was like 18, just just around when I turned 18. So right after I graduated um, secondary school. Wow. So that would have been a change too, because like, you know, mm -hmm. Commonwealth countries and then the US, and that would have been US. really fun. The good thing is like, since my family, a lot of my family was in New York, we spent summers there. So I had a lot of, you know, a lot of exposure and experience, but I actually went to undergrad in Alabama. Talk about culture shock. Yeah, definitely wow. not New York City. <laughs> definitely not. So it was interesting, to say the least. Yes. Yeah. Barbados. Yeah, from to, Barbados. I'd love to be Barbados. I'd like to be quarantined there on a beach. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, I think the worst places to be. Mm -hmm. So, you, so currently, Joanne, Joanne, do you have people working for you, or is it your you have your own clinic? No, I have my own clinic. I'm a solo practitioner, so I do a mix of and. I actually just started being based in the clinic in the fall, in October. I was doing more home-based visits and telehealth. Um, that's what I was doing for my clients. They loved it. It was fun. 
it was easy. I could set my own schedule. You know, I've got two little kids. Um, my youngest is currently four. So two years ago when I decided to do this, um, they were four and two when I started my business. And so they were still both in that preschool. And, you know, of course, they would always do things at like 10 and 11 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, you never found out that something was happening until the week of. So it's not like you had much planning time. And, but it was great to have that flexibility because I could schedule a patient at eight or nine and then go to their school for whatever they had. And then, you know, go to my patients or do a, a virtual session. So it was really, for me, it was a necessity at the time. Anthony, you're muted. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So, you know, the flexibility is, is really, really cool. Um, how, how does your, how do, how do your consults work? How do, how does it look? Um, because, you know, just in the last week, there's been a whole bunch of how to do telehealth, mm -hmm. um, you know, setting it up. And we can talk about some of that. If you're listening live on Facebook live, drop, drop your comments, drop your questions, and we'll make sure that Joanne gets, Joanne Michelle gets it. And she, um, she's able to respond to those or afterwards if you're listening on replay this will be available on the page um but what does that consult look like and what type of people are you seeing so for my consults um more specifically telehealth they're all pelvic health i mean occasionally i might get somebody who is a back or you know some other orthopedic type um issue um, or because of my experience in peds, I might still get a pediatric patient, um, whether it's an early intervention or an older kid. Um, for most of that, though, it doesn't look that much different than an in-person session. I mean, sure, I can't put my hands on them, but I go through the same basic process that we've all learned. You know, first of all, it's that intake process. How are they getting to me? They've got to schedule somehow. They've got to, you know, there's information that I've got to give them in terms of like the intake forms and stuff like that. And that really gives me a good bit of information anyway about this person that's coming to see me. So I already get to kind of set up in my mind, okay, here's what's going on. This is if I hadn't spoken to them already on the phone, because sometimes they'll just go on my website and schedule, you know, automatically. So my first contact outside of the email um, is going to be at that session. And then when we get into the session, I'm just listening. I just usually say, hey, so tell me what's going on. Tell me, tell me why you're here to see me. Tell me why we're doing this. And they just start talking. Um, and I just let them share their story and share what's going on. If they're rambling and ranting, I might rein them back in with a few questions because we know sometimes our patients have a tendency to do that. But I think sometimes for them, they're just excited that anybody is listening. Um, and I had that just yesterday. I had a guy schedule a, a session with me and he sent me an email after the session and says, nobody has listened to me. I went to a physician and all they did, they saw me for two minutes. They gave me medication, which I did not take. And I am no better. I was no better leaving his office. And you sat down and you explained what's going on. You, you explain, you know, what can be done, what the course of therapy and everything would be. And I feel so much more comfortable. I feel like I'm not panicked anymore, you know. And so we have that ability to do that for people. Sometimes they might be coming to us even in lieu of seeing a doctor. So you really want to take the time to listen to them 
and, and utilize this session. I tell most people like a triage, you know, just kind of figure out what's going on. You know, is it you that they need? Do they need to go see a specialist? Is it an emergency? Like what, what is that session? So take them through some movements, you know, after they've told me what's going on, if it's an orthopedic issue, I'll take them through some movement. I want to look at their function. If they're telling me, you know, it's a mom and she's like, yeah, you know, I've got this pain in my shoulder. And every time, you know, I, I do this, it hurts. You know, every time I lift a, a basket of laundry, cool. You got any full laundry baskets right now? Let's go get them. Take the phone with you. Let's go lift some laundry. You know, let's see what you look like lifting the basket. You, I mean, especially if, if they're in their home when they're doing this session, you get to see a little bit more than you normally would see in a clinic setting. Um, so it's perfect. I love it because I can tell them, you know, the same things they're complaining for in their home. Well, let's go do that. Let me see what that looks like. Let's see what your posture looks like. Let's see what your, your, your mechanics look like. Let's see how you're doing what you're doing. Um, and then after that, you know, I bring it back to, okay, here's based on, based on what you've told me, based on what I've seen and the things I've asked you to do here, here's what, you know, in my professional opinion, I think is going on. Give them a little bit of explanation about what that is and then say, Hey, you know, here's what therapy would look like. Here's what these sessions would look like futuristically. Here's what we need to work on and what that progression would look like. But I always try to bring it back to whatever their goals are. So if they're telling me, if that mom is telling me, yeah, my shoulder hurts, you know, what is it that you like to do? Oh, well, you know, I want to play tennis. You know, my neighbors get together on Sunday and we play tennis, but now I've been sidelined. I can't play any tennis. Then my goal is to get you back to playing tennis. So for us in those sessions, it might look like having her get a tennis racket and having her, you know, get into a ready stance and just going through the mechanics of a swing as part of her, you know, once we've kind of alleviated that pain, but just to kind of get her back to doing what she wants to do and making it functional for her. So that's pretty much an overview of what I do with a lot of my clients. I love that. And it, you made, you raised such a good point. And I think Anthony said this the other day too, being able to see people in their environment with the equipment that they have and you get to see the heights of things because you know we, mm -hmm. we try and replicate it as much as we can in clinic but yeah you know how good is it to be able to actually see them in their own in their own um, environment with the equipment getting an idea of the space as well because mm -hmm. sometimes it's an awkward space or something's really low and they have to bend at a funny angle all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff which is really great Juan, if it's okay i'm just going to take a little step Juan. <laughs> i always i always try and like british Juan. your name Joanne Joan. Michelle. Joanne Michelle. Joanne Michelle. Um, if we take a little step back to how people, I'm really interested to find out how people find you because what I'm hearing from some of the people in the community, and I don't know whether you two are feeling this as well, but a lot of people are thinking that um, people, uh, the community don't want telehealth. Um, they don't think community, they don't think telehealth is valuable. Um, people really want, to see me in clinic or the hands-on stuff. So you've obviously got a setup where people actually have an expectation of seeing you online mm -hmm. or find you deliberately to have an online consult. So I'd love to find out how people find you and what your sort of, I guess, marketing is around telehealth. Cause it's obviously been very successful for you. I think that might be really helpful. Yeah. So I actually, a lot of people have found me on social media. Um, I've had people find me on Instagram and people just randomly message me on Instagram. I said, Hey, you know, that post that you made, that's what's going on with me, but no one has been able to pinpoint that. 
And so I, I, I always tell people all the time, like what people are actually looking at what you post. You might not think so, but there are people who are paying attention. You've got to speak to somebody though. It can't be random. Like you have to speak to somebody. So if you are, you know, if in your, let's say for a lot of people now who are pretty much at home because their clinics are closed, when you are promoting your brick and mortar, you're promoting yourself as the back specialist or you're promoting yourself as the pain specialist. That doesn't change. You know, if you are the experts on all things back pain, then you still are the expert on all things back, things back pain. People's back pain haven't gone, hasn't gone away just because Corona came, you know, like they're still in pain. So speak to those people. Like you don't stop speaking to the people that you want to work with. And for me, that's what's worked for me and how people have found me because they, they would just find me online. I mean, I, as a pelvic therapist, I am on a few of the directories for like the continuing ed that I've done. So I've also had people find me that way, but the vast majority of people who have found me online that I've had no established relationship have found me through my social media. Um, the other thing is as you talk to people, when people contact you, people may be local, they contact you because they're looking for physical therapy. If, it, if what you're hearing in that initial conversation is something that is not very complex, I would say encourage that patient to take a telehealth session. And one of the easy ways to do that is instead of jumping on a phone call, make it a video call. Say, hey, you know, when I wanna get to know, you know, when a, when a client is reaching out to me, um, I wanna get to know them a little bit better because I wanna make sure that this is a good fit. Get them on a call, on a video call, so that they're already familiar. And when you talk to them and they're saying, hey, you know, this is my problem, can you help me? You know, what are your clinic hours, that type of stuff. You can say, you know what, actually, I do a lot of my sessions in this format as well. You know, is that something that you would be interested in? Because we're not, our hands don't cure people in and of themselves don't cure people or heal people. Our knowledge and the ability to process the information that we're getting and the ability to relay that to people is what helps them ultimately. You know, we, we merely guide them. Yes, we do a lot of hands-on work in, in a lot of instances, but how much of that can we teach them to do themselves? Because especially if you're in a clinic, they're not seeing you seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So there's going to be a big you know, portion of the week that they're not with you. What can you do to help them be more independent in what they're doing? And so usually when I talk to you know, clinic owners and stuff like that who were, who were looking at even before this kind of transitioning to that type of model, you know, I would talk to a lot of them about, you know, starting with a hybrid approach. You know, when you see people in your clinic and you've evaluated them, you know, especially for very, they're, now mind you, they're, not everybody is going to be well suited for telehealth. So let me say that. And there are going to be some people who might need that hands-on care. That being said, there are a lot of them that we know will do well in this format. So why not set the expectation and let people know? People are going to do pretty much what you train them to do. You got to train your clients well. Yeah. And um, isn't it interesting? Like, I wonder how I know that I've done it. Um, you know, we've trained them to come to us because mm -hmm. that's where we are. Mm -hmm. And now 
people are kind of a little bit lost and it's, you know, um, yeah, but people need to come and see me. I, I know I should close, mm -hmm. but people need to come and see me because like they've got back pain and it's like, mm -hmm. hmm, do they really need to come and see you or is that your preference because you're, you know, so there's a lot of this anxiety around that. Um, one of the things that we're going through in Australia is that uh, different practices and, you know, everybody's situation is different, both from a financial side and from just their population. They might be a remote town where they're doing more than just physical therapy, you know, like they're mm -hmm. doing community services. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like a lot of people are either embracing the change or they're resisting the change. And it's been really, mm -hmm. really hard. Um, and, you know, arguing on the internet doesn't carry this kind of face-to-face -face communication um, mm -hmm. or even just the voice and hearing the way that I ask the questions. Um, mm -hmm. With respect to training people to expect that, the messaging, I, I'm hearing from you, and because I heard from you, um, that so much of what is done happens before, like all the work is done before, you know, setting up that appointment, you spoke about forms, you spoke about messaging, you spoke about um, getting on a call with them, you spoke about, uh, you spoke about training people on, on what to expect. Um, can you speak to a little bit of some of all that prep work and the legal work that, um, that you had to do, that you had to think about? um that made you more confident to step into this space yeah absolutely so one of the things that um i usually will tell most people and a lot of people that i've been talking to over the past you know a few days have been like so i just got laid off i'm about to start telehealth and i'm like all right wait a minute that's that's great technically you could but here's the thing if you go see joe Schmo." on a virtual session and something happens and Joe Schmo is a litigious guy, you're going to get sued. You have no protection between you and your so-called business. So I always will recommend clinicians, at least here in the States. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have, might have the same setup um, in Australia, but make sure that you're a legal entity. Um, so that that is, that separates your business from your personal. You always want to protect your family. And I, I always kind of have mommy brain on because like I always have to think about, you know, the family in everything that I do. So you want to make sure that you're a legal entity. You want to make sure that you have forms in place, your consent forms, you know, that they're consenting to the treatment, um, that they, they're aware that this session is going to be in a video format that they are aware of, you know, whatever your policies are, you know, if you've got a cancellation policy, if you've got a no-show policy in place, that they're um, aware and okay with whatever form of communication, you know, text, call, whatever the case may be. Similar to you, to you, what you would have in your clinic, you wanna make sure that you've got those things. It's not just, hey, let's jump on a video. Um, you know, you really wanna make sure that if, if you're going to do this, you do it right. Um, and then in addition to that, you want to make sure that you've got that liability insurance and protection, um, your professional insurance. Um, you want to make sure that you've got that covering. So here we get, um, 
professional um, and general liability insurance. And you want to make sure that you have those coverings. A lot of the insurance companies will have um, verbiage with regards to telehealth. Um, a few of them, the one that is usually recommended by the ABTA, HPSO, um, CMNF, um, there are a few others out there, but they will, they will say, you know, either as long as you're practicing according to your state's practice act, you're covered for telehealth because we don't see it as any different type of treatment. It's just more or less a different location, kind of like how a home visit is different from an office visit. It's just a different mode of delivery. Um, and then, you know, some of them might have very specific, yes, we color telehealth, virtual sessions, phone sessions, or whatever have you. So you want to make sure that you've got those things in place and have that umbrella of protection around you. I was going to say, and here in Australia, those of us that have APA insurance are covered under telehealth, as long as we stick within our scope of practice. Mm -hmm. um, from the legal side of things, um, Joanne Michelle, I understand in America you can you, you can only treat people within your state unless there's a couple of fuzzy law. It's very it's also very complicated in America, but um, yeah, you, you can't if you're in Alabama, you can't treat someone in New York State or something, right? Yeah. So if you are, you can treat people as long as you're licensed in that state. Um, you can do wellness anywhere. So then there's that, you know, that division, what is wellness and what is treatment? And more or less a treatment kind of goes along the line of, you know, there is a functional deficit and we are addressing a specific functional deficit. Like there's something to treat versus wellness is more, you know, general sense of well-being. We're trying to just get this person stronger. Maybe it's an athlete that's coming to me for performance, um, you know, something like that. Um, so that's, that's kind of the fuzziness there. Usually to err on the side of caution, you just say stick to your state. In any case, you know, you, when you look at the size of most states and you look at, I tell people all the time, cause most people say, well, well, that's kind of small. Like I can't, and I'm like, you know, your state's got millions of people in it. If you were in a brick and mortar clinic, you're going to have access to people probably, presumably within a, a 60 minute radius. Now you've got access to an entire state. So it's a huge difference. You've got access to a lot of people. So you don't have to worry that there's going to be some shortage all of a sudden. But um, so that's the difference. And those are like the, the particulars with regards to the treatment here. So as long as you're licensed in the state that the patient is in. So if I'm here in Georgia and you were in New York, I'm licensed in New York also, I can see you. If you were in Michigan, I couldn't. For treatment so I would have to then refer you on what I usually what I personally do though is I always charge for my time for those initial consults so I don't you know I tell people I don't know what they're coming to me for and I use that initial session as a triage so am I giving skilled individual care no I'm using that session to hear what's going on with them to see what their issues are to see if there are any red flags and if there's, some, there's someone that needs to be treated for a specific issue, then I say, hey, you know, you're in Michigan. I know a great therapist that I can refer you to and take it as an opportunity to lift someone else up and kind of just send that patient their way. So I think it's an opportunity for us as therapists to kind of build each other up in this time, you know, and really kind of, you know, work on our community because there's people that are going to contact you from all over the place. You know, but, and if you can't see them, there's probably someone else, you know, that can, you know, that you can recommend 
Um, then you just kind of say, hey, you know, here's who I would recommend you go to. You know, would you like me to make a call and see if I can get you an appointment in? They appreciate that. So, you know, you try to get them in and then let the other person take it from there. Right. So there was a lot of good information there. So what I got from it was be a legal entity. So in Australia, that just means be a company or a trust or something like that. But basically uh, protecting your personal assets. Mm -hmm. Is this what I'm getting from you, Joanne? Mm -hmm. Joanne Michelle. Um, and then, well, I want to do the right thing, you know, because my name is Anthony and I get Anthony all the time. And I know, I know what it does. It's like a little pinprick in your head. But, every but time. it could be like Jay. I'm, I should have worn a name tag. Jay. Jay. <laughs> well, and I know that you don't mind people calling you. I know. I love you. You can do no wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so being a legal entity so that you can protect your personal assets because Joe, Joe Schmo might, might be the litigious type. Um, you know, the consent forms, the intake forms, um, you know, and that'll be things like contact details of other people in case something happens while you're on the call and they don't have mm -hmm. anybody around, you know, these are the sorts of things that we do that on the in-person clinic side of things so that, um, we can contact people if, if a, an event happens, um, mm -hmm. we do that also for the in-person contact, uh, sorry, the online contact as well. Um, all right, cool. And then, you know, the same sort of policies and procedures, liability insurance, um, and restricting yourself to just your state in America or just your province in Canada or just Australia in Australia is, uh, cause you know, we get to see everybody in Australia, mm -hmm. um, is actually not that limiting, right? There's millions and it's millions really of not. people. Um, so I, I thought that was a fantastic message. Um, what are some, I, I know that you've spoken to some of this already, but what are some of those tips of getting uh, PTs over the line, believing that they can do this, as well as getting their clients who, for good reasons, have taught them that in-person is so awesome um, and have never considered doing online. What are some of those uh, tips or, or more tips that you have on helping people cross that line and go, okay, you know what? Yes. So I would say for one, if you've got clients that have been really resistant, um, going into this week, you know, see if they would agree to like a 15 minute video session. Um, one of the things that I actually have used video sessions for, um, and continue to use them for is discharge post discharge follow-up. So what I do is, you know, after I have discharged a client from my care, you know, I try to do a follow-up in about three or six months, you know, and sometimes, you know, depending on, because a lot of my clients I've become pretty close with. Sorry. So, um, we have, <laughs> sorry, Anthony was unmuted and I was sending him little, we've got a little chat box. I'm like, mute, mute, mute yourself, mute, mute. <laughs> and he's just seen it. <laughs> Sorry, Joanne, Michelle. <laughs> oh, you're fine. And so, um, you know, but I would say, you know, if you really kind of just want to get people accustomed to it, then make sure that you're offering it or make more offers, you know, encourage them. It might take, it's, it's no different than when people talk about sales and, and marketing, you know, is everybody going to, to want in on your offer on the first go? Not necessarily all the time. How many people come to you 
you know, but they've been dealing with pain for like three, four five years, but they've been told you need to go to therapy. You need to go to therapy. You need to go to therapy. And they, they haven't come, you know, did it, did it work the first time? Clearly not. Did it work the second time they were told? Probably not, but they keep hearing it and you keep encouraging them and, and, you know, you keep offering those opportunities. So whether it's to say, Hey, you know, I know you're a little skeptical, but how about we just do a check-in via video? And they say, okay, cool. That's fine. And you check in with them, say, you know, how's your pain? I know I haven't seen you since you were in the clinic. How is your pain? How are you doing? You know, are you having any concerns? Do you have any questions for me? Those types of things. A lot of the times they'll realize, oh, we can do a lot of the same thing in this format, you know? So you just want to get them to realize, oh, it's not that different, right? Because for a lot of them, they think it is because, you know, they just don't know what we do. You're a PT, you stretch me. You're a PT, you give me exercises. You're a PT, but no, I'm a PT. I'm assessing you. I am guiding you. I am doing all these other things. I'm just not stretching you. <laughs> but we've got to, we've got to kind of change their way of thinking so that they can see that this is a viable option. I think it's great. One of the other, one of the other things that I tell people is, offer times that aren't the typical clinic hours. Like how cool would it be if you could like, if you're up early on a Saturday, like to see somebody at six or seven in the morning, if you're already up anyway, you know, and I've done that on Saturdays because people were working during the week. And I say, Hey, I've got openings between five and eight because my kids wake up at eight 30. So I'm good five to eight <laughs> and they schedule and they're like, okay, they're like, oh man, this is great. You know, it's early in the morning and I can do this and you know, I don't have to worry about taking time off work. I don't have to worry about, you know, you know, maybe it's a time when the kids are asleep so they don't have to worry about people running through the house like crazy. Right. Those types no of things. Traffic. So, huh? There's no traffic. No traffic, nothing. So it's, start to think about the problems and the, the, like, you know, the reasons that your patient would have for saying no. Now, how can you offer a solution for this problem? Like even, even in terms of like, if it were during the week, you know, you can say, listen, I know you've, you've been worried about having to take time off to come to the clinic and you know, these types of things, but how about we try a video session? Would you be open to that? You know, maybe we can, we can change the time. So it's a time that you're not at work. So you don't have to take time off. We can do it at a time that's feasible for you, maybe later in the evening. Um, so now you don't have to worry about traveling and sitting in the car in traffic. Now you don't have to worry about taking PCO, right? So you've now helped this patient in more than one way, and you're going to help with whatever their problem is. Yeah, that's such a good point. So a couple of things I'm just going to come back to, Joanne Michelle. One was uh, that made me really think about how I practice is that a lot of the clients that I see, uh, because I do a lot of pre and postnatal work, as you know, um, but a lot of my uh, the clients that I see, I'll, I'll get them to come in and I'll check on how they are progressing with their rehabilitation program. And then I'll give them sort of the next step in the program. And then I'll send them a link with their exercises and I'll get them to come back in another four to six weeks. So that's kind of a lot of the work that I do. And now that I think about it, I'm thinking, yeah, I could do a lot of what I do on telehealth because uh, mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of annual therapy anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so for those clients, it's just interesting. It's, it's making me think that I could start to even transition, you know, once our clinics are back and running, some of those clients to 
to doing both, like maybe every second session, mm-hmm. do via telehealth. So yeah. It's just an interesting thought with that one. Um, the other thing that you said was, oh no, my brain has stopped. What was I going to say? I've forgotten. I had two points. I forgot 50% of them. Um, <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> you haven't drank enough coffee yet. It's too early. It's true. I'm only half a cup down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think there's so many benefits to telehealth that you just outlined. And, and really, you know... Um, she remembered. She remembered. We better get it before she before she forgets. I remembered. <laughs> you were just talking about all, all the things that we do as, as physical therapists and just um, one of the other advantages, I think, for telehealth is people who do have acute pain, um, who do think I, I must go in and see somebody, but that opportunity to triage, to check for red flags, to give them advice. Because, you know, we see those people come over, they get in the car in agonising pain, drive half an hour to a clinic. Mm-hmm fold themselves out of the car we give them some treatment yeah they feel better then they get back in the car and then they got to drive all the way home mm-hmm. and i think you know how much value is it to be able to see someone in their home and say right you know and and do uh, do that do that assessment do that screen give them some reassurance mm-hmm. um and check in with them a day or two later because we know that 80 85 of them are going to get better within six weeks but just mm-hmm. still having that one-to-one contact still having that reassurance giving him all our, our physio um guidance as well but checking those red flags and saying hey look if these things happen this is when we start to get worried but you're doing great this is very likely to get better here are some tips on how you can look after yourself i think there's there's great value in that without having to get in a car oh, and yeah. have all the pain associated <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, but how many, when you think about it though, how many times are people having acute issues, but it's happening at like five o'clock or six o'clock in the evening and the doctor's office is closed. So now they've got to wait a whole nother day, but they could easily jump on a telehealth session with you. And you could, if nothing else, alleviate their fear, which is going to feed into that pain cycle to just make sure that it's like, okay, here's what I want you to do you're okay. Nothing, nothing to be alarmed about. I know it hurts. Try these things, do this. And you know, what I'm going to do is give you a buzz in the morning. We'll see how you're doing. And if necessary, if necessary, then we can always go ahead and I'll, I'll try to make a call into the physician for you. Let's see if we can't get you in sooner rather than later. But that takes a whole bunch of fear out of the patient, you know, and like, we, we have to realize that we are in a prime position as physios because we see the people more than the doctors do anyway. Like we're the ones they tell half of the stuff to anyway, you know? So we're in a prime position to be able to just even offer more value to patients. Yeah. Um, you know, I spent, I spent an hour and a half with a friend yesterday who normally I just see um, and I had to explain to her what I do in an in-person consult with her. And we had a, a, a big talk and she sent me a message like literally just before we got on this call saying how much better she felt today. And like, I'm sitting here, you know, um, mm-hmm. it is, it's so helpful. And I think, you know, we can see a lot of what we're doing as loss. And um, I was chatting to Julie Granger about it on, on her thing, on her business coaching thing. Um, and you know, we were talking about loss and having and doing, and we talked about that on our podcast too. You know, we choose to have things, we choose to do things. And I feel like this, uh, lockdown is an opportunity for us to actually 
really work out what what is our identity? What are the things that we've bolted on to our identity? And maybe they shouldn't be a part of it because, um, you know, the example that Julie used was that, you know, if I've, if I was in locked in syndrome, I had a stroke, I had some sort of event happen, I was just lying there in a bed, I'm still worthy of love and care and attention and kindness. And so all of the things that I have and all of the things that I do don't actually change my identity. Um, but we've bolted on all these things. And so every time they're attacked, it feels very personal, it feels very offensive and some people just aren't ready for this change it's such an opportunity to reframe what we do and and like what marika was saying you know being able to see hey yeah actually a lot of my catch-ups are are um i i probably could do and we really should have a telehealth option for them and we can just you know we see the in-person patient out and we literally jump on the call and catch up and then that's another consult. And then we say goodbye. And then we go pick up our next patient in person. If that's mm -hmm. a transition that we have to make. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for us. And like you said, we're going to be able to reach so many more people. Like how many times have I had people say, ah, you're two hours away. It's a long time to get to you. How many times, like Marika was saying, they struggled to get in. And you mm -hmm. check on them with an SMS the next day and they're like, yeah, by the time I got home, you know, it was a 20 minute drive and my back pain was back again. Like, do you know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, even think about inclement weather, you think about like the oh. northern US and the snowstorms <laughs> and, and all that stuff and the cancellations that clinics go through in the winter. Like just because there's a snowstorm, I mean, unless they have lost Internet and even then jump on a phone call with them, you know, you can still jump on a call with them. Yeah, that is just completely foreign to us, Joanne, Michelle. Like we don't. Even I mean, know well, based on about. your background, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a sunny day. I wish I could turn my fire, computer on. Fire, Anthony. <laughs> the roads are closed because of a massive fire. It's like that. Yes. Okay. Yes, the roads are closed because of fire. That okay, that would be you. one of our ones. Fire <laughs> is a big one. Flooding is another one. But um, <laughs> yes, I agree. All the natural disasters. <laughs> We've got all the natural disasters. Just You've got the natural storms. disasters and the most deadly deadliest insects. Yeah. I know. And isn't it spiders great? Spiders and snakes. Ooh. Isn't it great that <laughs> all the North American kids tell their parents about how dangerous Australia is? <laughs> I always love that. I, actually, I remember one of my first jobs in London and I was working as a physio assistant. He just turned to me and he said, I, do, I don't know how you can live in Australia. I said, what? <laughs> So dangerous. Everything there can, it was deadly. Everything serious. can kill you. How do you live there? And I was like, no one's died of a redback spider bite in like 30 years or something, dude. Like, yeah, occasionally there's snakes and there's shark attacks a couple of times yeah. a year. What's yeah, a shark? Yeah. Stay out of the water. <laughs> Sunbathe. <laughs> Skin cancer okay. probably kills more people than any natural animals. Forget do, that. So. Don't sunbathe. <laughs> <laughs> Take your chances with a shark. Take your chances. Yeah. Well, literally. <laughs> Wear a wetsuit, look like a seal and take your chances. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this opportunity, um, <clears throat> was it, can you describe your journey into reframing what you're doing with people and how your beliefs have changed over 
was it five years that you've been doing this or more? Yeah, so I, I started about five years ago when I was still doing most of my caseload at that time was pediatric. I just had my daughter. Um, I decided to just be an independent contractor. And so I was doing pediatric um, home care early intervention. But one of the things that I was coming up on was, you know, sometimes I'd get to the home and grandma's there or the nanny's there. Um, you know, and if the parents are there, only one parent is there. And we all know that nobody ever does the exercises correctly anyway. So, you know, then to just relay the, the exercises to another family member, my God, it's like, what is that game with phone when you have to pass the message? And like the message at the end is totally not what it was at the beginning. So what I was finding was I would either see the, the kid for the next session and the parents were like, yeah, we didn't do anything because we forgot how to do them. Meanwhile, they're like showing me the handout. Um, we, we didn't, we didn't know how to do it. You, you didn't with the pictures and the explanation. Okay. Um, or, or, you know, the grandparent or the, the nanny or whomever didn't, you know, didn't do anything. Well, you know, I forgot what you said after you left. So what I started doing was I'm like, look, let's jump on a call the end of the week. Do you, do you have like WhatsApp? Do you have Skype? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I would jump on calls with them. I, I, I remember the first family I did it with and the dad worked. Mom was a stay at home mom. Dad had no clue what was going on. And she was like, she wanted him to be able to kind of hear like what we were doing so he could, you know, participate as well. And the feedback I got was amazing because they were like, this was so helpful. Like, this was amazing. This was so helpful. Thank you so much. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's what we can do. How about we do this every week? So, you know, I see you like this particular day. How about, you know, a few days afterwards, we follow up just to kind of make sure you guys are okay. And it wasn't a long call. It might, might've been like, you know, 10, 15 minutes on a video. You know, I just tell them, send me a text when they were ready at the end of the day, whenever dad got home, we jump on the video chat and that was it. And then I, you know, it kind of dawned on me, why don't you do this after your evals to follow up with them to make sure that they stay compliant? And I kept doing it a little bit more. When I, when I decided to do my practice and focus mostly on women's health, that was an interesting challenge because I had to reframe my own thoughts on women's health. Because we do a lot of, we do internal assessments and we do this and we do that. And it's like, but can I help them though? Even if I can't do an internal assessment and even though I can't put my hands on them. And so it was a little bit of a struggle because I still wanted to at least see them in person. You know, I'd get the moms who are pregnant that I'm like, yeah, I can see you online. That's fine. You know, I'd, I'd go through exercises with them or they were postpartum and I can go through stuff with them. And then I'd get the more complex patients and I'm like, oh, no, I need to put my hands on you. But then after a while, I started thinking, what if this person was, you know, maybe two, three, four or five hours away from me? Then what? Now I'm forced to try to figure out how I can best help them without me being able to put my hands on them. And that happened to me when I had an overactive bladder patient. She was three hours away and she contacted me and, you know, I was talking to her. She hadn't yet seen um, a urogynecologist. Um, you know, the gyne her gynecologist that she goes to was an hour and a half away and there were no specialists near her. So we talked through her issues. We talked through you know, some things that she could be doing. We started looking at a bladder diary. We went over that. We went over, you know, toileting habits and, and different things like that. 
And we, we went through a lot of that information. I was like, but this is helpful information. Like she's still going to get value out of this. And, you know, I would argue that in most cases, something is better than nothing, especially when we consider we're already like few as far as pelvic physios are concerned. You know, there's not a lot of us. There are more these days, but there's still not a lot of us. And a lot of people, you know, in remote areas, they still have problems, but they can't get to us. So how do we help them, you know, when they are three, four plus hours away from, you know, a pelvic physio, somebody that actually knows how to address these things. So I had to start kind of reworking my own train of thought around that and realizing that there is a lot of value that I can still bring to my patients, um, even without me being, being able to put my hands on them. Yeah. It's, um, Oh, sorry. (laughs) We got the cross talk. I I was just just going to say say. that, um, it was fantastic. (laughs) Um, because all, what I heard, what I heard was you just did it and you started small and you started with follow-ups and situations made you go into that. And, you know, I know, I know how much I don't know about pelvic health and I don't talk to people about the nutrition and their toileting, like apart from the superficial, simple level stuff, you know, I call them the web website level stuff. Um, you know, nutrition and toileting habits. And um, did you know that there are ways that you can support your perineum that's going to help this? Oh, you didn't know. Okay, well, make sure you talk to the pelvic PT about that. Um, You know, self-care, you know, stitch wound healing, postnatal care, antenatal care, bladder diaries, like there's so many things. And then, you know, I, I love the exercise and movement piece and working and changing symptoms and, you know, having being guided by the by the person who's who's on the call. All of that is so much fun. And, um, and like you said that there, there are definitely cases that need to be seen in person, it's very difficult to do an internal assessment without somebody there. Um, but there's so many things that, you know, I helped a male pelvic patient uh, not that long ago because a pelvic PT um, organized the appointment and was there and uh, and he paid me for the consult and she was she was the cameraman, uh, camera person. And, the, you know, the feedback from her was, oh, that was great. I never thought of doing it this way to get mm-hmm. that. I do get them to do pelvic floor relaxation, but the way that you got them to do it with exercise and I could feel, because I had her feel the things that she was looking for. Mm-hmm. And and she's like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's a lot better. And he's like, yeah, I feel a lot better. So, you know, even being able to do that type of consultation uh, online where, it, uh, you know, we refer to other people, be it a consultant, a specialist, whatever, or another another PT, isn't it great that we could also do that as a service and say, hey, you know, if you want my different angle on it, you can join in the session too. And now we're able to turn up with them at their mm-hmm. appointment. Um, so that sort oh, of yeah. thing has, has been fantastic. Um, have you had much of, of that sort of thing, you know, with other PTs and collaborations? I've actually, yeah, I've consulted for other PTs in clinics. And I think that's a great opportunity for clinics to, I mean, when we, when we think about, about, having a practice and stuff like that, one of the things we think about is overhead, right? So then a lot of people may say, you know, 
I don't want to have to hire pelvic floor therapists if that's not majority of my caseload. But how cool would it be if you had access to a pelvic floor therapist that if you did have that patient, you know, now you don't have to worry about a full-time hire, but you have access to one and they can do a telehealth consult for you. How cool would that be? How much value would that bring to your practice? You know, and even as, even as, as therapists, how, how cool will it be if, you know, when the patient is going to their follow-up exams with the doctor, you're in there with them. Like, you know, they're asking, like, they don't know the questions to ask sometimes, you know, or you'll tell them what they should ask the doctor, but obviously they forget. So how cool would it be if you say, you know, as soon as you get there, just put me on the video chat and, you know, that way we can communicate and that way everybody is on the same page. I mean, now, now the doctor knows, you know, hey, this person's really vested in the care of my patient. It's good marketing for you because now they're like, oh, well, the patient really likes this therapist. This therapist knows what they're talking about. Yeah, sure. I'll send them more patients. You know, we've got to think. I think a lot of the times what I've been when I've talked to other clinicians and other practice owners, what I've constantly heard is all the reasons why we can't, all the reasons why we shouldn't, all the reasons why it won't work. And I would challenge anybody to start changing their way of thinking. I know for a lot of people, they just want to patch for right now and they just want to get through this. And then when this is over, they're going to scurry back to their clinics and life will carry on as usual. But start to think about all the reasons why it could work and all the reasons why you should do it and all the reasons why it will benefit your patients because all it's going to do is benefit your patients. I'd be really interested to hear from our community on this in, in the months to come, whether people do have uh, telehealth consults with their clients while attending their medical practitioners. I'd be really interested to see what the response of the medical community to, to that is. Cause that's, that's a really interesting idea, which I had never really crossed my mind before. I feel like it's good because it would change the way that the medical community perceives us too. Cause I, I think for a lot of people, they would argue, they think that we're technicians, but we're not. You know, and a, and a lot of a lot of them don't see us as not even nearly being on par with them. And I'm not saying don't get me wrong. I am not an orthopedic surgeon or will I ever profess to be an orthopedic surgeon. But guess what? The orthopedic surgeon isn't rehabbing this patient and doesn't know what to look for and doesn't know how to progress this patient back to their sport. But I do. And I feel like it, it could be the beginning of some beautiful relationships whereby we start to it because, again, at the end of the day, it's only going to be more beneficial for the patient. So, because you know, we write these letters and sometimes they get lost in the post, or we mm -hmm. send them to the patient to say, Can you take this in when you go see your doctor yeah. and ask them to read it? Please, please ask them to read it. There's some important stuff in there, and that's that can at times be very challenging. Um, so, I think that's a wonderful idea, and it'd just be interesting to see what, what the perception from the doctors is like with that, and whether there's any privacy issues, which I don't imagine would be because it's the patient and mm -hmm. they can got their device um and they're totally there. as a related, huh and they're there it's and like and they're there and they're there you know They've, it's like you turned up with a <laughs> right the um, the other thing i just wanted to mention because you we talked about uh the access to public health physios it's really funny because i'm in this little bubble in perth western australia where we have so many good public health pts because at the university here we have a master's program and so honestly, we, there's, there's a bunch and they're lovely, lovely people. So we have, our clients don't, we have really easy access in Perth. Now, having said that elsewhere in the state, it's much harder. 
um, in other places in the country, in rural areas, it's challenging. But 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 on the whole, it's, it's, it doesn't seem to be too bad in Australia. But you know, through my work with Girls Gone Strong, I do a lot of chatting to fitness professionals and um, and physical therapists in America, and I will hear these stories of of clients saying, because I uh, my my default is go and see a public health PT, go and mm. see a public health. PT. And they're like, yeah, that's that's great, Marika, but I've looked and there's no one within a six that's hour right. drive of me. So what mm. am I supposed to do? And so then I kind of go, oh. I forget that it's like that in a lot of places and I will often end up putting, reaching out to the, uh, you know, women's health physiotherapy groups and say, Hey, is anyone near this person? Is anyone around? And this is, and this happens all the time. This is not an infrequent occurrence. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying about how the fact that, you know, there are, this, this is just, it's opportunity. It's looking at it as an opportunity mm-hmm. and, and getting onto some of those um, directories and things, you know, we need, people need to be able to find you. So whether that's you marketing yourself within your social media groups, but getting on some of these directories, finding it easy, making it easy for clients to find you, um, letting people know that you're there to help them anywhere in the state, you, you know, within that six hour drive. But I think it's just making people aware that you have a service that is valuable. You have a service that people need. There are literally people in their homes thinking, you know, I've got this lump, this sensation in my vagina. I'm feeling really uncomfortable. I can't leave my home. I don't know who to talk to um, or someone else who's, who's like just had a baby and things don't feel right. That ability, you know, even though, as you said, like we, we really want to use our hands and, and our eyes in person. It's, there's so much value in doing things in person, but there is a lot that we can do outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I think what I would say to to public health PTs around the globe right now is just to not to undervalue the knowledge that you have and the skill set that you have. And please get out there and start telling people what you, what you can do and let them know how you can help because you can help. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. I feel like, I feel like there was an explosion, the mic drop, the, with, um, with with that you know just being that because i've had people do you know a pelvic pt who's looking for work and it's like no they all own their own clinics um but being the consultant for that clinic and you know i don't know how it's going to work you pay rent or whatever or you know whatever it doesn't matter you can figure something out so that Mm -hmm. it's a beneficial relationship for everybody and you now have access and it's not just pelvic PTs. It could be, um, you know, a, a running coach. It mm-hmm. could be a cycling coach. It could be uh, a track and field coach. Um, could be but... a neuro. I mean, you you can we can we could we could take pelvic PT out and say you know, a neuro specialist yeah. or a pediatric specialist. Pediatrics, right? Mm-hmm. But we yeah. but now you I mean, how cool would it be, for instance, at a pediatrician's office? if a parent is having a problem that they have an on-call peds PT that they can just jump on a video chat with and say, Hey, you know, we've got this kiddo here. Um, you know, what, you know, any thoughts or whatever have you that the parent knows that this, this person, these people are vested in the care of their kid. Crazy. Yeah. I love it. And I love the way that and it's not even a spin, you know, I hate it when people say, oh, you're putting a positive spin on things. It's like, no, I'm not spinning it. 
I'm actually looking the opposite direction to where you're looking, right? I'm looking at it differently to what you are. Um, and I love, and I love how you've, um, taken that challenge. How can we do this better? How can we do this differently? How can we take it, um, advantage of the opportunities instead of trying to hold on to what we're losing, which is our identity as being, you have to come see the guru. Instead, how do I help people understand that I facilitate and enable people and empower people to achieve their goals, which mm -hmm. totally is on brand for our podcast. And that's why we love you, Joanne, Michelle. I love you guys. Um, Look, if you're listening live on the podcast, if there's anything else that you um, that you wanted to add, now is the time. Any questions that you have, even if you're listening on a replay, let us know. Uh, we're winding up, so we'll we'll take some final questions. Um, are there is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Joanne Michelle? It's it's been so good listening to, uh, you know, part of your journey and and how you had to learn and and you know really by circumstance you and looking for a different solution you've moved into this area and you moved in with confidence and every success you had gave you um more and more confidence um what would you say to that yeah i mean you can't be afraid to try you know you can't be afraid to try and fail you can't be you can't think that you're gonna know everything you know just in one session it you know there's going to be a learning curve for everybody and i think for a lot of people they're like i've not done this before so therefore i can't do it no you might suck at it the first time so what you know i would argue when you came out of pt school you didn't know anything and you probably felt like you were gonna wet your pants the first day but you got over that and you saw more people and you got better it's just like that you'll see more people and you'll get better but you know it's it's one of those things that you just you just can't be afraid at the end of the day it's not about you it's about the people that you're serving so do what you can to serve them i feel so inspired joanne michelle i oh. have, have all these ideas now popping around my head um thank you so much for coming with your all your energy your wonderful energy and oh, your enthusiasm you. and your knowledge it's um it's been really fantastic talking to you and i've you know you know facebook stalked you for a while and um <laughs> seen <laughs> some of the articles that you've written for um for girls gone strong as well and uh you know obviously you've, you're a fantastic um person within the public health and for the community a little beacon shining up there um so thank you thank you so much for all that you do we really appreciate it I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and honored. It's, it's an honor when the people that you look up to, you know, you get to kind of hang out with. It's like, oh man, <laughs> get to be on a, on a podcast with here. Anthony Lowe and Marika. Oh my God. Oh, I think you only look up to me because I'm taller than you. <laughs> I mean, there is that, but still. I'm pretty, I'm pretty close though. I'm six feet tall now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm six two. Marika's not that tall. <laughs> but in four inch heels. <laughs> put on the four inch heels six inch heels and yeah i'll mm -hmm. be looking up to you no i appreciate that we we appreciate that joanne michelle um so how can people find you what are your socials tell us um tell us yeah anything so on, that face you'd like to about you. 
On Facebook, you can find me um, at JMM Health Solutions, on Instagram at The Pelvic Perspective, and my website is www.jmmhealthsolutions.com, and that's being updated right now to have all the telehealth um, content. So I have a zero to telehealth program for clinicians um, to just kind of give them the framework to get from not being able to do anything telehealth from that fear-driven, you know, perspective of telehealth to being able to, you know, get full-fledged into telehealth, whether they want to do it exclusively or just as an adjunct to their practice. Um, in addition to that, there are a couple master classes that I have on there for people who are just kind of wanting just a little bit of information, just to, kind of a to wet their palate. And I also have a program called the Telehealth Taster. Um, that's a compilation of all the top questions that were asked by all the practice owners and all the clinicians that I've worked with over the last year and a half, because a lot of them were asking a lot of the same questions. And I figured, well, if they're going to ask me this and you know, everybody else I encounter might be asking me the same thing. So I, you know, I went ahead and I compiled all those questions and, you know, it's a series of videos that they can go through to pretty much get all those questions answered. That sounds awesome. And we will, if you send us all those links, um, we will put them in the show notes. Cause I think there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there at the moment, but mm -hmm. sometimes with the programs, they can be almost too much information too much. and too mm -hmm. people want to kind of get started. I like that mm -hmm. zero, would you call it zero to telehealth? Zero to telehealth. Mm -hmm. yeah, I like that idea. Cause I think people are a little bit overwhelmed um, at the moment and sometimes they just need to, to kind of get started. Um, and I'd say also what's, what's been really lovely and I'll, I'll give a shout out to my, some of my colleagues in Perth, um, at body logic, cause they're transitioning to telehealth at the moment. And, you know, I'm hearing fantastic stories. So one of my colleagues just did six, six telehealth. She just got her receptionist to change everything to telehealth yesterday. And she worked from home with her two small children and she did six telehealth consults in a row. And she said it was fine. Like mm -hmm. it was fine. Um, it went really well. And so I think um, that was really inspiring for everyone else as well, because we were all starting to see that this can be done mm -hmm. and that we can, we can take that little sidestep. Everyone's nervous. Everyone's nervous about the technology and mm -hmm. it all kind of crashing or failing or not knowing what to do and feeling like an idiot. Um, but actually it's, it's relatively simple once, once you get started, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And God forbid the video platform should crash. If you've got good intake forms then you can just jump on the phone. Or refresh the screen you know life happens you know when it does what do you do <laughs> yeah you just got to pivot you got to keep adapting yep. if you've only got one way to do things you know you're going to find it difficult to change hashtag so, do something different hashtag do something different you know how it works he's <laughs> uh, <coughs> trained I, me so well oh <laughs> uh, it was so much fun in new york you know that 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 um that seminar was so much fun that was so. awesome Hopefully, come September, we catch up in person again. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's um, that'll be in Long Island City, so it'll be it'll be fun. It's in the same gym, so um, looking forward to to catching up in person. Otherwise, online at the Pelvic Perspective. Really uh, loved spending time with you today, Joanne Michelle, and um, look forward to catching up with you again. So much wisdom um, and. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, because people sit there and go, why didn't I think of that? Such a simple thing and fantastic. I, I feel like my brain exploded when you said 
you could be the remote consult person. And it's like, oh, so many people have asked me if they know a pelvic PT that they could hire. Um, you know, I've even had one guy say, we will put them through the pelvic health training just so that we can have somebody. Um, but this is a great, this is a great initiative. Um, and I reckon that's the piece of gold that I'm taking away today. So really appreciated that. Um, you know, we've been summarizing as we've gone along. Normally I do a big summary, um, but I think the summary is just do it. Um, a lot of people are saying, okay, I'm going to do it, but how do I get people to do that? You know, jump on a video call, make small steps, keep your messaging consistent. Uh, I heard a lot of, you know, challenging your own beliefs as well, um, which is great. And so much of what we do can be done online. It does not make us less worthy of the brain that we have because we are not merely technicians, as you said, but you know, we have a diagnostic brain and we can still apply that. And in fact, this whole COVID situation can actually evolve us into a better model of healthcare that mm -hmm. serves our, our, uh, the people who see us um, yeah. so much more. So I'm looking forward to the future and the opportunities that are there. And I'm so glad to have people like you and Marika on that journey with us. Yeah, I appreciate awesome. that. Look, thank you very much. I'm going to stop recording. And uh, for all of you who are listening, please drop a like, please drop a share, uh, review the podcast, leave a comment, leave a question. And uh, we'll definitely make sure that Joanne Michelle gets that. Or if you have any questions for us um, or any topics that you want to hear, please let us know. But otherwise, here comes the usual outro. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. Be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below. We'd really like to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.